I've got my uh, my note, thanks to Jenny, that my notes don't fly away today. And uh, okay, so I do want to acknowledge out the people on Facebook. We do really appreciate the time you're giving us as well to to join. We have beautiful sunshine here. The wind is on the lower side. Our gazebos are up, and uh, we uh, we as a church appreciate the time you're giving us and everyone here just to worship God and to and to. It's really humbling to stand here week after week and share what I believe God is saying to us and I, I appreciate that and I pray that uh, God will open our hearts to what His Spirit is saying to our church this morning. So over this month I'm doing a short sermon series I've titled After Exile and uh, the, the brief history lesson we've been talking about is King David and Solomon were considered the greatest kings and leaders in all of Israel. They brought peace and prosperity and unity to the nation David wanted, if you know the story, David wanted to build a temple to God, uh, but God did not allow him to be, build a temple because he was a man of war. So the task fell to his son Solomon. And the temple was the center of Jewish faith. It was the place of corporate worship. It was the place where outsiders were welcome. It was the place where God himself would dwell. Uh, the temple that Solomon built was magnificent. Have a read through scripture, you will see how ornate and how beautiful the temple was. It was the Jews' pride and joy. It gave them meaning, it gave them identity, and it gave them hope that, that God is with them and that God would, would come and presence himself with them with his glory. And so that was the temple for the Jewish nation. It was everything to them. And so, God, so the Jewish nation, the problem was that they disregarded God and his ways. So God would raise up prophets over that time to warn his people if they didn't uh, repent and turn to God, align themselves with God, that he would remove them from the good land that he had placed them. And so God gave them time to deal with, with their hearts, but in the end they didn't do that. So in 722 BC, the 10 northern tribes of Israel were conquered by the Assyrian Empire. Then from 597 to 586 BC, the two southern tribes, Benjamin and Judah, uh, they faced an attack. Uh, from the Babylonian Empire in 586 Nebuchadnezzar finally destroyed the walls and the city of Jerusalem and in those 10 years uh, the Babylonians took captive all the nobles all the um, all the craftsmen all the intellectuals all the cream of the crop he removed the best of the best from the from Jerusalem and he left the poor uh, to tend the land so that's the the background of the of the story we're looking at today and so also, they were sent into captivity to Babylon, and in the midst of their captivity, God raised up prophets once again. Yet God always raises up his voice in times when we're, when we're at our lowest. And so God raised up the prophets there to warn them, not to warn them, uh, to let them know that God had not abandoned them, that there's always hope. And the verse I talked about last week, I won't read the whole one, but it's the verse in Jeremiah that says, uh, you'll be in Babylon for 70 years, then I will come and do the good things for you I have promised. Then he goes, I know the plans I have for you, plans to bless you and prosper you. So, so this is the nation of Israel in exile and a promise from God uh, indicating that he will come and rescue them. Now that was great encouragement for the nation in exile 2,000 years ago. But it's all I believe it's great encouragement for God's people today. I felt God uh, drew my attention to these books of Ezra and Nehemiah as we return as a church from, uh, from exile, I'll explain that in a minute, for the last 18 months from church, from, from being together. We've been disconnected from our church community, our family of faith, our sense of identity and corporate worship, vision and mission. We've all been disconnected from that on the whole. 
And so I love what technology has been able to do to, to keep us together and to keep us uh, walking together and talking together. But there's nothing better than being together. Did you agree to that? All right. And so um, over these weeks, until we start leading to the Christmas season, Christmas is so soon now. So for our kids, then three more weeks of school. Uh, and so it's all going to happen really quickly. And so um, in this time, before we get to Christmas season, I want to spend time looking at what life looked like after exile for the nation of Israel. Find out what God had to say to them then and what that means for us now. Last week, we started in the book of Ezra. 70 years had expired after the prophecy of Jeremiah. The newly crowned prince Cyrus of Persia, he issued an edict that releases the nation from captivity. And last week, we were reminded that God always keeps his promises, that God's ways are not our ways, and that God wants to start with our hearts. And so that's a bit of a review from where we've been. Now we go to uh, Ezra chapter 2, verse 1. Here is a list of all the Jewish exiles of the provinces who returned from their captivity. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had deported them to Babylon. But now they return to Jerusalem and the other towns of Judah where they originally lived. Their leaders were Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Seraiah, Realiah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mispah, Bid... Yeah, you can just make up your own pronunciation to these words. Rehem and Bana. And this is the number of men of Israel who returned from exile. Now, I'm not going to read the next 60 verses, which are all the names. Unless you want me to. Anyone want me to read all that? Yeah. <laughs> not going to happen. I'm going to pop down to 64, though. So a total of 42,360 people returned from Judah. That would be men that returned from Judah. And so a couple of thoughts just from those few verses there. The first one is that God is looking for good leaders. Anyone can lead people where they already want to go. You don't need to be a leader to take someone where they want to go. You just got to, you just got to say, let's do this. Sure, let's go there. But God is looking for good leaders that can look beyond the circumstances of today and help people to look toward the promise of tomorrow. God, I believe God is looking for good leaders that need, that, that need courage to lead people where they don't necessarily want to go. God is looking for good leaders that, that sometimes need to challenge people not to remain where they're comfortable and where they feel uh, they're comfortable in their attitudes or their relationships, but, but to stretch into all that God wants. And God is looking for leaders that need wisdom when difficult times arise. You look at the story of Moses leading the nation of Israel out of captivity in Egypt. All the nation did was complain. And uh, God needed a good leader that was willing to journey through with them. Now... As soon as I say the word leader, the chances are that you're thinking, that's not me. Well, that's not you. You know, because you're thinking, well, a leader, uh, that, that's my pastor's job, or my manager's job, or my parents' job, or the, or the captains of the school. That's their job. They're the ones that are called to be leaders. And I'd like to say that all of us are called to lead people. Now, maybe not in a formal role, not necessarily with a microphone or a title or a badge, or a, or a hierarchical structure. But I believe God calls all of us to lead people, especially in this season. We have the you have the opportunity to lead people somewhere in this season. Take them from where they are, 
but we do live in a, a society that is still wrapped in fear. You, you follow the news headlines and whilst we're, we're grateful for our, our limited freedoms that are, that are in, increasing uh, for us over the next month, but you look across, if you're looking across the news feeds across the world, there's, there's still uncertainty, there's still fear, there's still uh, anxiety that is filled, and fear, I said that, uh, that is filling the hearts of our world. And I think God is looking for leaders who can lead people away from a place of fear and lead them to a place of hope. God is looking for you and me to, and you don't have to be the leader, remember, but uh, with, with the title. But God is looking for people who can look around them and see all around at school or at work or at the gym or the coffee shop. There's people that are desperately looking for hope and meaning and something beyond this month, this year, the next year. God is looking for good leaders. He's looking for you and I to be willing to stand up and say, I'm going to be willing to take people in their attitudes or their thinking from fear to faith, from, from a place of hopelessness to a place of hope. Ultimately, we as the children of God, the best thing we can do is, is lead people to understand that faith, hope can only come ultimately through Jesus. And so that's our ultimate goal. But I want to start by this. The, the thought that God gave me here is God, we need, God needs leaders. God needs people that are willing to say, you know what? I'm going to help lead people's thoughts and their faith and their attitudes to align with who God is and what God has for them. And so these 11 men, they made a decision to leave where they had been for 70 years. <coughs> they knew God was a promise keeper. They saw that how God could use all circumstances, even a pagan king, to bring about his plan. And they also felt the stirring of God's spirit within them to turn their face away from the, the, the comfort of today in Babylon to the discomfort of what tomorrow in Jerusalem could look like. And so uh, this is where God, the prophet Zechariah would speak and say, you know what, that it's not, you're going to accomplish what God has for you, not by human effort, not by striving, not by power, but it's spirit at work in our hearts. And so that's the beginning of Ezra chapter 2. We pop down to 64. I want to backtrack a little bit to verse 59. So we're in Ezra chapter 2, verse 59. And so this is, I want you to notice there's two groups of people identified here. After Ezra lists all the names of all the people, it says another group returned at this time from the towns of Tel Melah, Tel Hasha, Kerab, Adon, and Imma. However, they could not prove that they or their families were descendants of Israel. This group included the families of Delea, Tobiah, and Nakoda, a total of 652 people. Three families of priests, Habiah, Hakaz, and Barzillai, also returned. This Barzillai had married a woman who was a descendant of Barzillai of Gilead, and he had taken her family name. They searched for their names in the genealogical records, but they were not found, so they were disqualified from serving as priests. As I was reading through this passage of scripture, I just felt something that I think is really, really interesting, especially for now, what, we're, what our, our nation, our society, even our churches are facing. Here we find that two groups of people mentioned by name, two groups of people whose hearts were also stirred, two groups of people who were willing to return, to leave what they had and to return to rebuild the temple, rebuild the community and rebuild the nation. We have two groups of people that genuinely believed that they had a role to play and that they belonged and had a, a task to do. Now I want you to know in the Old Testament it's essential, you might think this is an odd passage of scripture, in the Old Testament it's essential for you to prove your lineage. Your lineage. 
to make sure if you are a, if for you to be a priest, you need to be of the, the priestly line. So I understand that there is a reason for their exclusion here, but I and I and I, I don't want to. Well, firstly, we don't live under Old Testament, so the best news is that we live under a New Testament gospel where there is no uh, us and them, there is no accepted and unaccepted, there is no um, you don't fit, there is no you don't belong. And so what I love is in verse 63 it says that uh, the governor said don't eat the food, but go and talk, and before you cut them off, go and talk to the Lord about it. I think it's important that we understand that we live under a a covenant of grace where we are all accepted in Jesus. <coughs> I want you to imagine for a moment though, and I don't want to spend too long on this one, how did these two groups of people feel when they when they were so excited to belong, when they were so excited to return, and when they when they came to, to have a look and they, they looked through the records fully expecting to find their names in the genet, genet I can't even say the word anymore, in their family tree. When they couldn't prove their status. I wonder how everyone else treated them. You know, they, uh, maybe they feel that they would be being thought of, well, you don't, you don't belong with us. You're not one of us. You don't fit in our group. I think it would be heartbreaking to think that you belong somewhere and to be told that you don't. I think that would be, it would break your heart. Your, you believe something so clearly and yet for a group of people to exclude you, I think that would be diff, really difficult. Now, I think the Lord wants, I'm going to say one point here, then I'm going to move on. But I do think there's a, there's a parallel here that could be helpful to think through. Maybe you have some friends that may be unvaccinated, friends or family members that are already feeling vulnerable and isolated. And it doesn't help in our society, our community, and even our families make it very difficult for them to belong. I just feel God saying that our actions can make people feel they belong, or they don't fit, or they're not welcome, or they're disqualified. But I want to go beyond vaccinations because that can be quite a, a personal topic at the moment. But I, I think it's applicable. I think even Jenny touched on, on the element of being together. We are all together. But I find the scripture is very interesting that there was two groups formed. But beyond vaccinations, how about your relationship groups? Maybe at school or maybe just in everyday life. Do we exclude people because they're different to us? Do we exclude people because they don't meet our standards? Or they don't believe what we believe? Or vote like we vote? Or dress like we dress? Or think like we think? It's too easy for us to exclude them and say, you don't belong. And I think that's what the scripture, the Lord's saying to me regarding these verses here, we've got to be so careful as children of God that everyone belongs. I believe in God, God's kingdom, that there is one way to become a, to be, enter into the family of God, and that's through belief in Jesus Christ. But, uh, and I believe that all of us are all God's children, but not all of us call him father. But I believe as a church, everyone belongs. And I think, I think that we just need to be mindful that everyone is valued, everyone is equal, and we just got to be careful how we handle our differences with people, whether it's whether it's vaccinations or theology or your approach to, I've shared this somewhere before, or our approach to tattoos or alcohol or whatever those topics could be that could easily divide. I think we see here, we've got to understand, we can give Jesus at the center, and then we can understand that through him, we are all one. 
let's not exclude. Let's be, be careful who we include and not, not exclude and make sure everyone belongs. All right. Now you, can, now you can breathe again if you're holding your breath. So the first thing is here that God is looking for welcomers. I believe God, the nation returning from Israel, I know they were separated in those verses, and that was under Old Testament, under New Testament, there should be no separation. We should all be one in Christ Jesus. And God is looking for leaders, people, influencers, who can let everyone know, you know what, you're welcome. It doesn't matter what you look or how you dress or how you speak, you are welcome in the family of God. God will not, God will not reject you. That's the word. God will not reject you. Second thought is, uh, is God is looking at looking for worshippers. Now, we don't really know what they found when they returned back from uh, exile. Uh, we get a little. Eighty years later, we get a glimpse of something when uh, Nehemiah was given a report. Nehemiah one verse three. Uh, the report to Nehemiah is things are not going well for those who returned from the province to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Now that report is 80 years later. So the chances are 80 years before when Zerubbabel brought the people back, chances are the situation was worse than what Nehemiah had just been told. What their, their once magnificent temple was not just run down. It was totally gutted and destroyed. This was a worst case scenario. It would have been heartbreaking to see their city and their temple like this. It would have been overwhelming to, to have a look around and, and, and try to think, how on earth are we going to rebuild this to what it was before? Where do we start? How can we possibly achieve this? Now, have you ever faced this type of situation? Obviously not exactly the same. but. Maybe God's asked you to do something. Maybe God's asked you to fix something. Maybe, maybe there's something you're struggling to stop. Maybe there's something you're struggling to start. Maybe there's something you are just trying to get over. Maybe something that you are confused or overwhelmed by. And you might be here and you're thinking, you know, this is too hard. This is too much. This is too costly. Maybe you're looking at your relationships or your family or your marriage or your work situation or your health or your kids and your friends. And like the Jews, you're looking at the, at the, the devastation or the destruction around you. And you could be thinking, this is worse than I could have ever imagined. And maybe today you're wondering, can this situation ever be fixed? Can this situation ever be rebuilt? Can it ever be made right again? And I believe there's people here who are facing those situations now. You're not facing a, a, a destructed temple or a city. You're facing something that you've been believing for and hoping for and trusting God for. And you're looking at it and you've returned in faith. But like the Jews, you're looking at it and you're wondering, this is way too big, way too hard. As we close the service, I'm going to be praying for you if that's you. Uh, I got an email this morning from Ken Chegwood. Uh, he had a, a vision uh, this week, and, and in his vision, he, was to, he, he saw that people were up to their chest in water. And Jesus was coming along and offering his hand to those that were in, in water. And um, there was, there's three categories of people he identified in the water. One was people waiting for healing. 
Second one was, uh, the, the second group of people was a people going through a family situation. And the third one was someone going through a life circumstance. And uh, just as Ken, I emailed Ken back and I said, you know, I think this really fits into the message that I have today. Because uh, people, well, his vision will go on to say that Jesus is coming around and offering a, a hand of grace to step you out of your situation. And in the vision, people didn't take his hand. Not, not because of fear, not, not because they didn't want to, but they just, they just made, well, maybe they were just uncertain, unsure, or thinking nothing's ever going to happen. And so, yeah, thanks, Jesus. Appreciate it, but you know what? I'll be right. And I think, and I think that, is, that applies to our situation today in this context of the passage I'm reading, is that because your situation, whether it's healing or your family or your circumstance that surrounds your life, I believe Jesus is with you and he's offering himself to help lift you up out of that place. But maybe you've, uh, maybe this is my lot in life. And the, and, the, and the vision was to encourage you to stand on God's promises, to actually take hold of his hand, the hand of Jesus, and watch him lift you out of those places and put your feet upon a rock. And so, if you're in one of those situations, and if you're, if you're facing a, a, a temple that's been destroyed and it seems like there's no hope, I think the next point can be really helpful for you. We're into Ezra chapter 3, and we're going to just do the first few verses here, starting with verse 1. In early autumn, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. Then Yeshua, the son of Jehozadak, joined his fellow priest Zerubbabel, son of Sheadal, with his family in rebuilding the altar of the God of Israel. They, went, they wanted to sacrifice burnt offerings on it, as instructed in the law of Moses, the man of God. Even though, the, even though the people were afraid of the local residents, they rebuilt the altar at its old site. Then they began to sacrifice burnt offerings at the altar to the Lord each morning and evening. And in verse 6, we pop down. It says, this was even before they had started to lay the foundation of the Lord Temple, or the Lord's Temple. And I thought, this is, there's some, I thought the Lord was saying, there's something on this verse for us today. I'm going to hold this. It's my last page, so it's easy to do. What, what, we, what we're seeing here in this, you might be thinking, Mark, what do these verses about building an altar and rebuilding an altar, what do they have to do with my situation right now after exile, after we return to what God has for us? So what we see here is that even before they began rebuilding, even before the foundation was laid, even while it was still messed up all around them, while they were surrounded by rubble, before the cleanup effort had begun, even whilst it was still too much to figure out, even while it seemed overwhelming and the end was not in sight, while it seemed dark and helpless, the first thing that the people did was build an altar. In the midst of the rubble, in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of this is too much, too hard, too difficult, too impossible, before any sign was showing that things were getting better, what they did was build an altar and they worshipped God. Now, when I say worship, I, I don't mean they got their drum and guitar out and started to sing some songs. Worship in the Old Testament was wrapped up around the sacrificial system. Worship today is wrapped around our heart. Worship is us getting a glimpse of all of who God is and all, who God, all of what God has said 
and us responding to his goodness and his kindness and his promise even when it hurts even when it's difficult even when all around us it's a mess and it's broken and it's dark and it's hard and confusion reigns and you're uncertain and you can't even believe that this thing can possibly uh, be rebuilt again what we're learning here it's important to rebuild our altar start with worship start with start where we're at don't don't, don't wait till <coughs> don't wait till the foundation's laid don't wait till you see something which well if I see a forward step then I'm going to worship God if I see something positive ha happening then I'm going to worship God no these guys started to worship God before any of that took place they rebuilt the altar I want to encourage you when you're at that place when you're overwhelmed or in doubt or in fear or just so uncertain or overwhelmed, I want to encourage you, worship God. Remind yourself of His goodness. Remind yourself of His promises. Remind yourself that He is with you right now. He's never going to leave you. He is for you, not against you, and you are who He says you are. And remind yourself, you know what, it may feel like this, it may look like this, it may seem like a pile of rubble with no hope, but remind yourself that God is able to fulfill the promise that he has for you. So that's, that's my message this morning. Three, a quick summary is that God is looking for leaders. God, I would encourage you to take this time to lead people, lead their hearts, lead their attitudes, lead their thinking to a place of faith, a place of hope. Secondly, God is looking for welcomers to uh, pray, ask God to open your eyes for those who, who may be on the outer, for those that may be feeling excluded, not because anything, something's been done to make them excluded, but just maybe because of circumstances or distance or where they live or whatever it could be, look out for people who could easily feel that they're not welcome and, and, and be a welcomer. And lastly, be a worshipper. Be willing to rebuild, re-establish, an altar of worship, an altar of putting God at the very center, even in the midst even of, of, of rubble and brokenness. And to encourage you to learn to worship God and thank God even before the promise comes. Even before the promise comes. Sam, can I get you on the keyboard, thanks? So I just want to close in prayer this morning. And I do want to ask you... and. After the service is finished, if you if you you'd be welcome to come forward and if you'd like prayer, I'd love to pray for you. And we've got some others who would love to gather around and pray for you. But I really believe that uh, uh, yes, in, in what what Ken's word was, if you're struggling in in a, in a it's a health situation or a, a situation with your family or a situation in your life circumstance, and and maybe for you you're feeling that everything has just gone all messed up. I'd love to pray for you later, but right now I'm happy to pray uh, corporately and also to you guys at home, uh, wherever you may be in uh, on Facebook or watching or listening to this video. Because I believe in a God who is a promise keeper. And I believe in a God who's a healer. And I believe in a God who's a hope giver. And I believe in a God who fills us with peace, even in the midst of the storm. And I believe in a God who is able to take ashes even ashes and turn it into beauty who can take mourning and, and turn it around into dancing I believe in a God who can take whatever your situation is nothing is impossible for him nothing is too difficult for him 
Nothing is beyond his reach. His arm is not too short that he can't reach you. His ear is not deaf to your prayers. I want to encourage you when you see the hand of Jesus offering uh, you the ability to stand up in faith for you to actually say, you know what, I'm going to grab onto that this time. Maybe I've been a bit tired or late, tired or worn out or weary. But today when I see the hand of Jesus to, to lift me out of my, my darkness and despair, I'm going to take hold of that and grab hold of that. So I want to pray, if you're here this morning and you, and you, and you find yourself in a situation that, that you want to take hold of the hand of Jesus, then uh, just give me a little wave. I want to include you in my prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, I just thank you that you are with us. Lord, I thank you that you are not an excluder of persons. And Lord, no matter who we are, that you are here right now. Lord, you entered into our mess 2,000 years ago, the mess of humanity. And Lord, you're not afraid of the mess that each one of us finds ourselves in today. And so Lord, I pray for each person that responded with their hand raised. Or those that, that were just on the inside saying, you know, that's me. Or those that are at home or in the car or whatever they're doing listening to this, Lord, I just pray that they would see you with them. And that would bring them great hope. That would give them great peace. And Lord, for those that are feeling overwhelmed by the circumstances, overwhelmed by the task that may lay ahead, Lord, I pray that we would all rebuild our altar, reestablish you as our source of life and joy and freedom. And even in the midst of the rubble, that we will worship. We will honor you in Jesus' name. lovely sense of God's presence here this not here anyway where I'm standing maybe where you're at hey we're going to uh, close our service for those on on Facebook hey thank you for your time and if you need any help or prayer you've got our, our church details or just make a note on the stream and we'll get someone to contact you uh, but we really, I really do appreciate your time this morning uh, looking forward to next week whatever that looks like you'll find out during the week and uh, thank you for just being part of this community with a heart to rebuild after exile. Thanks. So if anyone does want prayer, you're welcome just to mingle up the front or just where you're at. If you've got